Thank you, Ron. Beautiful. And thank you for being here this morning. And <clears throat> from the bottom of my heart, I would like to thank whoever it was that stuck a banana in the handle of my uh, cottage door last night. That was a pure act of love, and I appreciate it. I invite you back to John 17, and uh, we are speeding ahead to verse 2. Again, you heard last night the background of John and these <clears throat> 60 years that he <clears throat> was able to, as uh, Dr. Gary shared with us this morning about immersing, marinating in the word as John got to marinate in the words and the thoughts of Jesus as the Holy Spirit just took all of that and just bathed him in it, put all those pieces together. And we know that chapters 13 to 17 are these farewell discourses of Jesus sharing with these guys just the, the absolute heart and soul of, of the kingdom. That beautiful chapter 15 is the bullseye. It's all about relationship and abiding in him and he in us. And as we begin looking at the prayer in chapter 17, we've been considering this idea of his glory. What, as Jesus says, Father, the hour has come, glorify your son, that your son also may glorify you. What does that mean? What, what is this glory? And I'm working on the, on the working hypothesis that the glory of God is his presence. It's when God shows up. And so I am very keenly interested in my life and for this camp and my family and my church at home of what it is, how, how God will you show up? What, what is it that will allow you to move? We need your movement. We need your presence, not just at special times like this. We need it all the time. We need your constancy of, of your moving, God. Wouldn't it, I've been thinking lately as I've been studying this, wouldn't it, wouldn't it be something if we could have revival from now until Jesus comes? I know we can't live here on the campgrounds, you know, but, but to take that home with us to our, to our home congregations and where we serve and live. And, and Jesus, that spirit of your moving constantly. And so we, we learned last night <clears throat> that this dependency God is so honors. He, he can't help but show up when his people, when, whenever anyone declares their desperate dependency upon him. And as we move into verse two, um, looking at that a little bit more closely at least than last night, another element of that glory of God showing up seems to be an emphasis on giving. God, God shows up. God, God is a giving God and God, God loves giving and God seems to show up when there's a response to his spirit of giving. If you would back up to verse one and go to verse two with me again this morning. <clears throat> Jesus spoke these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son also may glorify you as you have given him authority over all flesh that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. Repetition, you know, in Bible study. Repetition, one of those things that's a good teacher. Many of us had teachers in school that repeated things a lot, right? They say it a lot, you write it down, you know that's gonna be on the test. Some of us had moms who repeated things a lot. Anybody have a mom who repeated things a lot? 
How many of you are the mom who repeats things a lot? Okay. So uh, one thing the Bible study, the, the New Testament writers, the biblical writers, when something's repeated, that seems to be a big idea. And so it's no accident, it seems to me, that in the first 14 verses of this prayer, we see some variation of the word give repeated 13 times in those 14 verses. Give, gave, given. The idea of giving. Even in the verse we just read in verse two, the, some variation of the verb give is repeated three times in that verse. It's, it's no surprise to us. It's, it's not shocking to us that the word give is associated so much with God because we all know from experience, and we all believe this morning, that our God is a giving God. He's a giving God. He's a gracious God, as we heard in our Bible study this morning. He's a generous God, not, I love that, not stingy. Who can testify to that this morning? Our God is a giving God, a gracious God, a generous God. All throughout the scriptures, we see this giving, amazingly gracious, generous, giving God. Through the Old Testament, we see the record of his giving to his people. We see in Genesis, he gives life. We see he comes to a man named Abraham and his descendants, and he gives a promise and a covenant. We see that to that same people, God gives them a land of their own. We see that to that same people who fell into slavery some uh, hundreds of years later, God gave them their freedom. He then gave them his law as a guideline for how to live in relationship with him. He gave them in that process every provision that they could have ever asked for on their journeys. He gave them victories over their enemies. He even sometimes gave them things that he didn't think was a good idea. When they wanted a king, he gave them a king. He gave them his prophets and he gave them his word. And then we come to the New Testament and we see again that all throughout the New Testament, our God is a giving God. I love what James says in chapter four of his letter when he says, but he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. In the first chapter of that same letter of James is that well-known, that beautiful verse, my daughter, my daughter's favorite verse. You know, it's the, now, nowadays at college graduations, you know, have you seen they, uh, I don't know if they do this at Lee, do they, they put messages on top of the, the thing, you know, on top of the square on the graduation capsule. You know, my daughter in glitter, everything's glitter, you know. In glitter, it's James 1.17. Every good gift, every perfect gift comes down from above, from the Father of lights in whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Every good gift, he's a giving God. John is, is really big on that idea, you know, in his gospel that God is a giving God in John 6, 27, Jesus said, do not labor for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set his seal on him. We all know John three sixteen, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. Giving seems to be a part of his very nature. It's like he can't help himself. It's not like God has to think about giving. It's not like God has post-it notes to him. I do, but post-it notes for him to remind himself to give. It's like it seems to be this part of his agape 
love nature. John says in his first epistle, God is love. And the nature of agape is about a selflessness, is about a giving, is about a concern for the other, is about a laying down the life for the other with no concern for what there is in return. That's the amazing thing. Consider how God has given to us over the lifetime that you and I could all testify to this morning, consider all the ways that God has given to us with no guarantee of anything in return. Now that's love. That's agape. Giving with no, think about it. Think about giving something to somebody with no guarantee of there being anything in return. That's not how our world works. That's not how I've operated so many times. So many times in our world and in my life, the way I've operated is you give, but then there's this mental note. Do you keep mental notes? Or sometimes you experience people in the world, it's always kind of the, it's always the give and take, man. It's always the, I'll scratch your back, but you scratch mine. It's, hey, what do I get? It's always kind of the keeping the ledger. I don't know if you have this in your family, but I would say, in, is this being recorded? No, man. Uh, I've got people in my family, my extended family, you know, those ledger keepers, you know, if they do something for you, you just know there's been an entry in the ledger or the spreadsheet, whichever you use. It's been the entry in the spreadsheet and you just know they did this and so there's this expectation, you know, when are you gonna pay that back, right? How many times in my life have I done that, right? How many times in my life have I given or done something and maybe I never said it, maybe I didn't do it, consciously, but maybe somehow inside there was this, you know, but that's not how Jesus works. That's not how love works. It's not agape love. I love in 1 Corinthians 13, in verse 5, in the NIV translation, you probably know it, love keeps no record of wrongs. That's love. Our God is a giving God this morning. If you, if you and I could go around the room, what an amazing thing it would be to testify this morning of all the ways God has given to you and given to me. Can you remember? When I was lost, you, does anybody here remember when you were lost and God gave? Remember when I was alone and God gave. When I was weak, but God gave. When I ignored him, and oh, I did, God gave. When I went my own way, and oh, I did, God gave. When I needed strength, God gave. When I cried, God gave. When I cried out, God gave, because he can't help himself. And even God is so gracious, when I already had enough, God still gave. Our God is a giving God. But I learned something new about his giving in these verses as I see the way Jesus interacts with and operates in his abiding with the Father. Remember that Jesus has been talking to the disciples in this upper room scene about abide in me and I in you and I will be the complete provision for your life. If, if you'll be like the branch that stays connected to the vine, I'll flow through and live through and supply and live through and be everything that you need. And so in the prayer in chapter 17, we're seeing how Jesus, and all throughout this section, uh, Jesus is doing that same thing. And I've learned something new in that about giving. One of the things you see in verse two is that 
there is actually a, for lack of a better term, there's a flow to giving. Notice that Jesus gives because it has been given to him. You see the flow in verse two? Jesus says, Father, as you have given him, the son, authority over all flesh, that he should give. And as we pointed out last night, that is one of those, in the Greek, dependent clauses. It's a dependent structure. In other words, what it's saying is the that that's stuck in the middle means that the second thing can't happen without the first. The second thing is the, is the outflow, is the outpouring of the first. Just, just as in verse one we saw, Gee, Father, glorify your son that your son may also glorify you. Now in verse two again, dependency, as you have given him, as you have given that he should give. And what Jesus seems to declare all over again is the idea of dependency. And we already looked at last night, I, again, but it just, it's like it keeps coming up. It's like it's this constant in the life of Jesus, this dependency. He said, we, we saw last night that he looked back there in chapter five, verse 19, verse 30, the son can do nothing. That's zero of himself, apart from the father. He says the same, chapter 14, verse 10, Jesus says to the disciples, do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. Guys, it's, it's the Father living in and flowing through me. It is, it is I that am desperately dependent upon the Father. And that is true now even for me, it seems to be in the, in the idea of giving. That Jesus gives, not out of himself, but out of what he's been given from the Father. Which, which puts a whole new perspective on giving. That even giving itself, we talk a lot about giving in the church. The Christian life should be a life of giving. We should be a generous giving people. We all believe that. Our God is a giving God, so we should be a giving people. But yet, somehow, the idea of giving, that the focus of the giving needs to be him and our dependence upon him. That really there's two components to giving. Of course, there's the active giving, and we know all about that, but there is no giving unless I'm first a recipient. The only way I have anything to give is if I am receiving and, and receiving from him. In other words, this morning, I don't have anything to convey to you except what I have from him. That's true this morning for any of us in the preaching this morning, in the singing, in whatever act of giving you participate in today on this campground, whatever act of generosity here on this campground or at home, wherever you are today, the only thing, we believe this today, the only thing that you and I have to give is what we've received. We this morning are not self-made. We this morning are all recipients of his grace, aren't we? And so we give because we're recipients. And so how easy for me to forget sometimes that man, the desperation of being a recipient of him is the, only, is the only way I have anything. The only way I have anything to give my family is because I'm a recipient of his grace today. The only thing I have any reason I have anything to share with you this morning is because I am a recipient of his grace, which puts the whole new focus on giving. See, I'm really, this may, not, this may be a poor idea, but I'm really just a middleman, aren't I? You and I are really just made to be conduits, aren't we? We're just the conduit through which he wants to flow. 
It is really this morning, the truth of it is that we're just the vessels, we're just the conduit, and we're just here available to say, Jesus, well, how do you wanna give through me today? Whether that be in an offering, or whether that be a kind word, or whether that be the sharing of the word, or whether that be an act of service, or whether that be a loving embrace of somebody that needs it today. Lord Jesus, I am a conduit, I am available, I am surrendered, and, and the reason the reason for the whole idea of holiness and sanctification is God, make me a pure, clean vessel through which you can flow cleanly and purely. In everywhere that I am today, in everything that I do. So for that, that puts a different focus on giving. So I don't know about you. I don't, does anybody here get easily distracted besides me? So easy to get focused on stuff. So easy to get focused on preaching. So easy to get focused on things in the church. Especially when you're a pastor. Boy, you get, it's so easy to get, you know, it just, it all becomes, you know, it's, it's all critical. It's all urgent. It, it's all important stuff happening. And man, it's easy for my focus to get on, on all of that stuff that needs to get done and happening in my life. And I find that can be true with giving. Oh, I'm supposed to be, God's a giving God. I need to be giving I need to be generous, and so the focus can become on the giving instead of on him. You know what I mean? And when, when the focus gets to be on anything but him, it turns into pressure, it turns into, is it ever enough? Because you know, if I'm supposed to be into giving, and that's my focus, then when is enough? How much should I give? Who should I give to? Where do I draw the line? When's enough? How do I know? And it's endless and I get lost, I don't know about you, I get lost easily. I get lost and confused. But when I look at Jesus, his focus wasn't on the giving as, oh it was, but his focus was on the Father and what the Father wanted to do through him, you see. See the Father, Jesus' constant focus is Father, I can do nothing of myself. And his constant focus and awareness, oh, his awareness was always of the disciples and his love for them and the people around him in ministry. But somehow in the middle of all that, Jesus was enabled by the Spirit to have this constant awareness of and constant focus on the Father so that Jesus didn't get wrapped up in the, in the list, in the doing, in the how much have I done it, all this kind of measuring it. Jesus was so aware of and focused on the Father that he was able to just respond to the Father and be constantly dependent upon the Father in all things and say, Father, hey, if these, if these guys are gonna receive anything, if these people are gonna receive anything, Father, if anything's gonna happen, good, Father, it's gonna be, have to be you literally doing it through me. I'm the conduit. What a difference that makes in the idea of giving. As he said in chapter 14, verse 10, he, he said it. It is the Father who dwells in me. that the, I don't even have the, the words that I speak to you. I don't even speak my own words. It is all 100% from the Father. I'm focused on the Father. I'm available to the Father. And man, Father, whatever you want to do and give through me today, I'm open. What would happen if that could become the focus of my life like that? Hey, Jesus, I want to be absolutely dependent upon you as you are dependent upon the Father. And I want to know you. Oh, I want to know you. I would love how Dr. Gary's been sharing about that already. 
Oh, I want to know you, and I want to know your presence and know your grace, and I just want to be immersed in you, and, and I want to be available to you. I, I want to just be constantly, Jesus, make me more sensitive to you in my life. Make me more aware of you. Not, not that, God, I'm, I've, I have blinders on, that I'm not aware of the world around me, but somehow, Jesus, as you were able to live in this world and all the pressures and all the, think of all the people you dealt with and the disciples and the crowds, and yet in the middle of that, you were able to stay aware of the Father and sensitive to and responsive to the Father and the Father working through you. Jesus, could you do that in my life? In the middle of my pressures, in the middle of my people, in the middle of my situations, could, could, I, be, could I so abide in you that you just are able to, at a moment's notice, whenever it's needed, give and flow and just, I'm, I'm able to respond and, and can I tell you this today? Jesus said, he said this, if you abide in me and I abide in you, you will bear much fruit. <laughs> much fruit. So the idea seems to be, man, if it's up to John, I don't know what's gonna get done. But abiding in Jesus and this being available to him, if, if you will just could you bring me into a greater focus on you, a greater awareness of you, a greater sensitivity to you, a greater responsiveness, a greater engagement with you, just not that I'm tuned out from the world, but God, you know the whole, you remember the old, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. So Jesus, I don't wanna be disconnected from the world. Oh, I'm, I'm in this world, but not of this world. And I want to be so in tune with you, just as you are with the Father. And, and I tell you this, everybody, what seems to be true in the New Testament, when somebody gets that in tune and that engaged, and that if anybody would be that available for Jesus all the time, watch out. Watch out. Watch what he'll give through you. And you'll be amazed at what he can give through you at that moment. See, his glory, remember, remember what we said last night, when, when there's dependency upon Jesus, what happens? God shows up. When there's a dependency, God shows up. And so it's this morning, the same idea. When there's this focus on him and availability, hey, Jesus, how do you want to give? Hey, Jesus, how do you want to minister? Watch out, he's going to show up. Which is what we need. And I don't know about you all, there's a lot of things I'd like to give to my family. A lot of things I'd like to give you, a lot of things I'd like to give the world. But the thing I'd most like to give is Jesus, amen. I wanna give them Christ. I want my son and daughter and my future grandchildren to have Christ. I want, this week, I wanna give you Christ. In the dining hall, I wanna give somebody Christ. If I go out into Mount Vernon this week and go to Walmart, I want to give somebody Christ. I want to leave Jesus behind. At the restaurant, it's not just about leaving a good tip. Oh, I hope you do. Do we need to talk about that? I want to give them Christ. Jesus, it's not just things I want to give. It's not just material. It's not just money. And oh, we need that this week. Not just that, but Jesus, I want to be so available to you that, man, the flow of your life, just as Jesus 
the Father flowing through you. Jesus, I want to in every moment of my existence, Jesus, this week, practice that at home when I go home to my home, wherever I live in my home church and my community. Jesus, I want to be the constant conduit of your very presence of you. I want to give them Christ. One more thing about this giving. He's a giving God for sure. And it's, and it's an agape giving that no expectation of, it's an amazing thing, no expectation of what I get back. No, no mental notes, no ledgers. It's a giving that's focused more on him than on the act itself. It's, it's not getting caught up in the how to and how much. It's the getting caught up in him and being available to him so he can give to the, whatever degree, however he wants, spur of the moment, unplanned, whenever, however, wherever he wants to give himself. But one more thing. Why is giving so much a part of who he is? Why, why, why is this giving thing so much a part of him? And it seems to have something to do about this section and this abiding and relationship. You, you know this morning, I wouldn't have to tell you, God is really vitally interested in relationship, right, isn't he? God really wants relationship with, with us this morning, doesn't he? Wants relationship with all those who will accept him. God hungers for, desires, he longs for relationship. And you know there's something that seems to be about giving that's connected to relationship, isn't there? Now I'd say there's times, probably in our lives, where we give randomly to somebody or some cause or something that we are totally disconnected to. But I propose to you this morning that in most cases when you and I give something, it's to somebody that we know. And, and somehow in the giving is the hope of relationship. Is that not true? Maybe sometimes, hey, unknown source, there's send my money to some cause, I'll never know those people, and God just prompted me and wants to move through me and give to that cause or that source, that's great. But I propose to you in most cases, something about giving is somehow wrapped up in the hope of the desire for relationship. Because again, he's, in a, he's, a, he's a God of love, agape, love. Maybe that's why, you know, chapter 13 of Corinthians, all that stuff, and maybe that explains why, one interesting thing, of those 13 times in these 14 verses, give, the word give, 13 times, Four of those, four of those times, verses 6, 9, 11, and 12, four of those times, it's interesting that what is given is the disciples are the gift. Isn't that interesting? Look at verse 6. Jesus says, I have manifested your name, Father, to the men whom you have given me. Verse nine, he says, I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but those whom you have given me. Verse 11, I'm no longer in the world, but these are in the world. I come to you, Holy Father, keep to your name those whom you have given me. Verse 12, while I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name, those whom you gave me. Four times, the disciples are the object of the giving, or in some ways, maybe the disciples are the gift. 
Interesting, I know Dr. Gary will enlighten us later in the week on this more. I'll be interested to hear. But in chapter four of Ephesians, it's interesting in the chapter four passage of Ephesians, Paul, Paul says in verse seven, to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Then a little bit further down in the passage, he talks about these people that God has given to the church. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And God talks about people as the gift, as gifts to the church. When it be, isn't it interesting that God so values relationship that he sees people as gifts? That's an amazing thing. Apostle Paul, all over his letters, I don't know why it took me so long to see it, but all over his letters, the Apostle Paul sees people as these precious gifts. Like he, he sees people as a treasure. He sees people as gifts. It's amazing how he loves people, calls them beloved in all these mushy terms. He's, he's constantly just loving people, embracing people, just, I can't wait to see you. I long to see your face. Oh, I'm sending no estimates to you, and it's like tearing out my heart. It says all this People are precious to me. People are the gifts. God sees people as gifts. Can I ask you this morning if you and I do? Do I see the people around me as a gift from God? Do I see the people in my life as a gift from God? You realize there is no harder thing in this world than relationships. Can I get an amen on that? And sometimes the closer you are, the harder it is. Sometimes it's way more easier to minister to strangers than it is to people you know. You know? I mean, yeah, I can serve them and I'm never gonna see them again, so... But sometimes, I've been searching this out. You know, if holiness works, holiness has to work in the car on the way to church as much as it does at church. Amen? And you know, we come together on this. Matt mentioned it last night. We come together and live together for 10 days. Hey, folks, that's a whole new dynamic. Living together, Right? I have to ask, do I see people as gifts? Really? And you say to me this morning, John, that's, that's a nice message. I really appreciate that. But there is no way there's some people in my life, in my family, there are some people that I have to deal with. There's some people back at my church at home. I will never be able to see them as a gift from God. But that's back to dependency again, isn't it? I'm gonna ask Grace to come and, and Ron will lead us in a moment. And that's back to I can do nothing of myself. And God, you're giving God. And you have an agape love that expects nothing in return. And God, you wanna flow who you are through my life. And part of that flow is to 
how I deal with people and seeing the people in my life as precious gifts from you. So can I invite you to two things this morning, very, very simply. Can I invite you to, would you cry, who, who would be dependent on Jesus for these two things this morning? First of all, Jesus, I really need you to flow through me and I want my life to be a blessing and a gift to somebody today. Not that I'm the gift, you know, I'm God's gift or whatever. I'm talking about Jesus. I, I wanna bless somebody today. <laughs> you know what it's like. Sometimes you're around people and it's not a blessing. <laughs> Sometimes you're around Christ-filled saints and it's, it's a blessing you can't describe. I wanna be a blessing. In my worst moments, <sighs> by the way, I haven't been that all together this week even. Anybody else? But Jesus, I'm available for you to flow through. I wanna be a, a blessing, a gift, God, and I know Jesus, you're, you're the gift, I know that. But would you be the gift that you are to somebody through my life today? On this grounds, Maybe it's a text or a phone call back home to Jesus. And secondly, God, would you give me your view to see people as a treasure and as a gift in my life? Give me eyes to see the people around this ground today. Maybe you drove in, maybe back at your house those who are staying on the grounds to, to see the people on these grounds, the people in my cabin, the people that you put close to me in my life, God, maybe never before I've ever seen them like you see them, to see them as the precious gift of God and I wanna love them with the love of Christ and I wanna, I wanna treat them with the love of Christ and I wanna, I wanna just value them with the value of Christ today. Anybody here? Jesus, both those things today, I want, to, I want you to flow through and be a blessing and a gift. And oh, Jesus, would you give me, be in me your eyes, your values, your sense to see them as your gift today. And I, and I can tell you this, everybody. I can tell you this. For anybody who is available in that way today, for anybody who's that available, because that's how Jesus just lived. I'm available, Father. I don't got this all planned out. I don't got this all figured out where I'm going next and what I'm doing. I'm just gonna be open and sensitive and engaged with you and responsive. And so if I would say, Jesus, same, today, available, responsive, flow through me, see them how you see them. God, in a moment's notice, hey, here I am. I can tell you this, for anybody who's that available today, guess what? He'll show up. <laughs> He'll show up. So Ron leads us, welcome me today. Maybe you want to kneel here. Maybe you want to sit on a front row if you, can't, if you can't kneel. Maybe you want to raise a hand to him today or stand where you are. But today, Jesus, flow through me the grace of your giving in Jesus' name. Would you engage and respond to him with us as Ron leads us? 
He giveth more grace when the burdens grow greater. He sendeth more strength when the labors increase. To added affliction, he addeth his mercy. To multiplied trials, his multiplied peace. His love has no limit, his grace has no measure, his power has no boundary. Known unto men, for out of his infinite riches in Jesus, he giveth and giveth and giveth again. When we have exhausted our store of endurance, when our strength has failed ere the day is half done, when we reach the end of our hoarded resources, our Father's full giving is only begun. His love has no measure. His grace has no measure. His power has no boundary known unto men. For out of his infinite riches in Jesus, he giveth, and he giveth, and giveth Our gracious God, we simply pray that you would give us eyes to see one another as gifts. Lord, give us hearts to receive the people in our lives as gifts. Lord, most of all, we pray that we would be truly thankful and responsive that you have given us the greatest gift in Jesus Christ, your Son. Lord, as we come to the end of this service of worship, our service to you doesn't end. But may we continue to worship you throughout the hours of this day, glorifying you in every way we pray. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.